Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, uh, I'd like you to turn with me this morning to the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians. And we're going to go to chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians. Uh, I'm just curious how many of you happen to have a, well, for me, it's an old favorite t-shirt. How many of you happen to have one of those old favorite shirts just hanging around the house, right? Or maybe an old pair of jeans or, you know, something that's, it's worn. Uh, and this is, it's, it's one of those, I, I have, uh, Actually, I have a few of them, by the way. I won't let my wife throw them out or get rid of them. They have holes. All the, all, all the wives are rolling their eyes saying, I know how she feels. Um, but, I, you know, you put it on. It's been washed about a half a million times. It's the softest thing you could just put on. You know, it's the best thing to kick around. It's been stretched out. You know, it didn't shrink. It did the opposite for whatever reason, it's just stretched out, and it just, you know, Saturday morning you wake up, maybe you wake up a little later, you don't have to go to work, you throw the thing on, and that just is, that's, the, that's what you want to wear. You know, it's this old, old thing. Now, I realize that, you know, you might have a problem today if I showed up in that old T-shirt. My wife would not let me out of the house with that old T-shirt to come to church. But if I showed up with an old T-shirt, all of you would be looking at me saying, what in the world is going on? No. We take off the old. Well, this is not a new suit, but, you know, it looks better than something old. And, you know, you take and you put it on. Paul, in essence, tells us to do exactly what that with the old self, how you used to be, the things that you used to do, the ways that you used to live, the ways that you used to talk. And, and we're going to read for a moment, we're going to read just uh, a few verses of Scripture here in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, but as we do today, I want you to begin to just kind of look at some of the things, but all the way down through this passage, and this is not really how I'm approaching this passage but you have the old contrasted with the new. You have old things and old ways of living contrasted with how the new should be and what God wants to do in your life. Today I want to preach this message entitled, Off with the Old Self. Off with the Old Self. Time to take off the old t-shirt and put on something new. Time to take off the old overcoat that is torn and tattered and speaks of the old life and put on something new that shows there has been a change in our lives. And you say, Pastor, I'm not really sure this is for us today because we've been Christians for a long time and yet I find that, that for many Christians that the old life is a struggle all the way through our Christianity. We have to fight against it. We have to uh, put it to death, as it were. And so we're going to read starting at verse 20. Verse 20, let's start right there. You, however, did not come to know Christ 
that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, here it is, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires. Now, verse 23. Here's here's the opposite of that. To be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's very important for us to see how it is that we as those who are created to be new in Christ how we're to be like God. The Bible says here that we are created to be like God, but in two ways, in righteousness and holiness. God is not asking us to ascend to where He is in matters and areas where we cannot. He doesn't want us to ascend in in any kind of way that would bring pride to our hearts. But the way that we can be like Him because He pours His life into us is to be like Him in holiness and righteousness. Verse 25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold, for he has been... For he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands. That he begins right in the mind first. It doesn't begin on the outward. It doesn't begin through some act that you just somehow didn't even put any kind of thought into, but instead it is always something that is done in the mind first, and then it is usually fleshed out and acted upon. So he wants, the Holy Spirit desires to control our minds. Well, how does he want to do that? He wants to take the old bad attitude and give us a new attitude. So let's talk about the tood for a minute. He wants to give the dude a new tood. Give you an attitude, but a good attitude, a right attitude. He wants to put something into your life that will be Christ-centered, that will be of great value to each and every one of us, but also to the body of Christ. But let me just briefly, verse 23 says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. You see, the old attitude, the old self, was worthless. It's void. It's empty. It was an attitude that was selfish and would injure anyone to feed your own desires and your own flesh. It is an attitude that says, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live how I want to live. And there isn't anybody around me that's going to tell me to do anything differently. He wants to replace that attitude with a new attitude that says, Lord, that I might decrease and you would increase. Like John the Baptist said, that somewhere along the way I would begin to understand that, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you. In our daily lives, on a daily basis, we have to die to self. 
We have to just say, Lord, it is going to be your plan, your will, your way, however you want it to be, Lord, but let that new attitude be in me. May it be Christ-centered, Christ-focused. May it be completely and totally touched in my life upon Him on on a daily basis. We think of what we can do for Jesus, how we can live so that we can please Him. When you have a new attitude, your desire is, Lord, what can I do to honor you? How can I live my life to please you? If you are living to please you today, it's time to put off the old self. Take off the old coat. It's not worth giving in to the flesh just so that you can say, I'm in control. No, let him be in control of your life because in him is life. He desires to give you a new attitude. But how does the old attitude come out? You see, we're trying to take off the old self. We've got to know what it looks like. We've got to know some of the things. And Paul goes through some of the things of what the old attitude looks like and, and how it is that we are to deal with these things. The first one that I want to point out to you, it, it's an attitude, something in our minds, something in our hearts, And it's in our emotion. It's one of the very basic emotions of humanity. And yet, if it's let out of control, if it is allowed to just rage on and go on and on, it can turn into some very dangerous, dangerous things. The Bible says this in verse 26, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. You see, the devil seeks a foothold through anger. It's one of the basic emotions that we all have, and everyone feels it from time to time, but God causes us and wants us to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to control that anger in a way that it never comes out to destroy or hurt or bring about pain in somebody else's life. He desires us to put it under the blood of Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, take control of the anger that I sense in my heart today. You might be on your job. You know, the anger just, you're frustrated. Maybe it is that you're at school, or maybe it is that you're in your home, and maybe a family member just seems to always be, you know, they just know how to push your buttons. They know which ones to push to just get you going, and they get you riled up each and every time. We have to say, Lord, I need you to be in control of my emotions, to be in control of the anger that sometimes takes over me. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Paul says, if your anger comes out, he also says, don't bury it. Don't sleep on it because it's going to grow into something worse. So what am I supposed to do with it? I believe this. We would be, time would be better well spent if we would take our anger and bring it to the Lord. And say, Lord, I'm going to go pray. I'm so mad, I'm going to go pray. How many of you, when you get so mad, you just got to go pray? Come on. Thank you for being honest. Let's face it, folks. When you're mad, The last thing you want to do is pray, isn't it? Because somewhere along the way that we we feel as though God is nowhere near our anger. 
You know, it's almost like God, you know, we know God is everywhere. Our theology tells us that God is everywhere present. But all of a sudden, when we get mad, there's like this bubble of his presence that's created. I don't know what we think in our minds that somehow he just draws back and no, not there. No, he doesn't do that. You know what? He is as close to you when you're angry as when you're joyful. He is always right there. He doesn't create a vacuum space so that your anger can kind of bounce around this little bubble and he is just going to stand back until you calm down. No. You know what we need to do? We need to learn how to go into the presence of the Lord and say, God, I'm so mad right now. i got to have you. I need you. And the Bible lets us know, don't let it go down. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And there's a reason for that. Because it can turn into something else. And that is, it can turn into bitterness. Verse 31. The Bible says this. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness. Bitterness takes anger to a whole other level. Bitterness buries anger, pushes it down, shoves it underneath in your soul, in your spirit, in your life. It pushes it down and it caps it. But, but it sort of seeps out in a manner that causes you to then just have a bitter attitude toward anybody or everybody around you. It comes to a place in your life where it's almost like, I don't know if you've ever tasted food that you were expecting to be sweet, and it was bitter. You know, there are times, you, you, maybe you go, uh, the, the thing just came to my, my mind was when you go to one of the soda fountains and you, you, you know, you think you're going to get a Coke, and you put the cup under there and you see what looks to be like the syrup to make the Coke dark, and the carbonation is coming out, and the water is coming out, and it's mixing together, and you think you got a good, sugar-filled, sweet Coca-Cola. And all of a sudden, you take a sip of it, and you realize the sweetness is gone. And what do you do immediately? Ugh. You know, you, and you dump it out, and you go tell the manager, somebody's going to fill this thing. It's not working properly, right? You were expecting something sweet, but it came out bitter. Can I tell you that I realize that in many cases there are people today who are walking around and they are expecting bitterness. The Holy Spirit can turn it around in your life so that when you meet people on the street who are expecting bitter, they can instead get sweet from you. Brothers and sisters, God wants to sweeten our lives and sweeten our hearts. When we let bitterness and anger be a part of our lives, there's going to be nothing that's going to be sweet that will touch the people around us. Brothers and sisters, the world is full of bitterness. It needs a little sweetness of the Holy Spirit in us. we got to put off the old self, get rid of the bitterness and the bitterness that, that causes us to just bring about some kind of a bad taste in other people's mouths. Bitterness can also bring about pain and frustration and suffering within the church. If we allow bitterness to be a part of our lives, brothers and sisters, we're, we are not going to be as effective for the kingdom of God that we, as we should be. God called us to be sweet. 
He doesn't want you to be bitter. He wants you to be sweet. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. It says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness is buried, but don't think because it's buried, it's gone. Don't think for a minute that when your life you've got bitterness for one reason or another, somebody hurt you a long time ago, somebody did something to you, and maybe somebody just came along and they, they wounded your feelings. And, you know, the problem is, is we're, we're, we don't have the thick enough skin yet in the Holy Spirit to be strong in Him and in the power of His mind. They come along and boom, they bump you. What did they do that for? Well, that brother, that sister. They better just avoid me in church because I'm going to give them a cold shoulder. Mm. Mm. I'm going to just sit over there. I normally sit over here, but I'm going to sit over there because I don't like them. How, how does that help the body of Christ? How does that look like Jesus? In what way does that show a new attitude? God wants us to have a new attitude. The bad attitude, the old attitude, is an attitude of bitterness. Pastor said something to me. Pastor did this. Pastor did that. Somebody did this to me. And you know what? That's fine. I got a good memory. I got a good memory. I'm just, you know what? I'm not going to react. I'm just going to remember. Oh. You just wait. Folks, there is absolutely nothing about bitterness. Let me read that verse from Hebrews, the latter part of that again. There is nothing about bitterness that will help. The Bible says that the bitter root grows up to cause trouble. This is what happens in churches, many churches. It's, it's, it's bitterness working rather than the Holy Spirit bringing about a sweetness and a peace and a love and a joy there is bitterness at work, and the Bible says it causes trouble and it defiles many. Don't think for a minute that, that your own bitterness about life is going to only affect you. Because somewhere along the way, it's going to come along and it's going to affect others. It's going to have an impact on other people around you. Don't think for a minute that it's, all, well, it's my bitterness and it's only affecting me. Wrong. It's going to affect those around you, maybe those that you love, those who love you, those who are close by you, those who are in the body of Christ with you. It will have an impact, and the impact will always be negative. There is nothing about a bitter root that can yield sweet fruit. A bitter root cannot yield sweet fruit. It can only yield what is bitter. And brothers and sisters, we have got to say, Lord, I'm going to ask you for that new attitude to come to the forefront. If I got bitterness in my life, if somebody did something to offend me and to hurt me, rather than bury it, Lord, and just be bitter about it and go about my way and pretend that everything is all right, let me come into the presence of the Lord and ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come in my life and bring about a joy and a peace and a love and a sweetness in my life that will change my surroundings brothers and sisters bitterness has to be taken off like an old coat 
we got to get rid of it. Now, there's something else. Verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage. There's something else that happens. Now, this turns, goes from in the mind to action. But it starts in the mind. You know, it's the anger, the bitterness, and there's just this, it's like, a, it's like an explosion. Just, it comes out. The word rage in the original language means a fierceness or an indignation. But the root word that forms this word in the original Greek, it, it, it meant to rush, breathe hard, blow smoke. You can kind of get the idea of an explosion at this point. It meant to blow smoke and to kill or sacrifice and slay. So can, can we just gather from this? We don't have to go very far into the original language to figure out this is all bad stuff. This ain't good for anybody. This isn't good for you. It's not good for, for anybody around you. It is absolutely good for no one. The idea of a rage. How many of you think for a minute that, that having a rage will accomplish something wonderful in the world? It doesn't. It accomplishes absolutely nothing, and Jesus equated hatred with murder. Because if hatred goes unchecked, the intense, passionate rage, we've seen it in our society, where it leads people to kill. In the heat of anger, they'll say. In a rage, they'll say. And it brings about, and you say, well, it doesn't get to that point in my life, but man, there are times I get so mad, I just want to just knock someone down. And that will accomplish what? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing that is of value for the kingdom of God. It will accomplish nothing in your life that will help you to be what Jesus wants you to be, to be like Him. We cannot allow anger to get to the point of such a rage that harm could be done to anyone around us. God has called us to live in peace. He has called us to be men and women of peace. He has called us as much as possible, Paul wrote in Romans, to live at peace and be at peace with all men. God is not interested in you allowing your rage. Well, I just got to get it off my chest. Well, you got to get it off your chest. Go tell the Lord in your prayer closet. Don't get it off your chest to anybody else around you because God knows what you're going to throw. You know, go tell the Lord about it. Go give it all to the Lord. God's not going to be shocked by that. He's not going to say, man, I never knew you had such a temper. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what's on you. God won't be shocked. You go tell him about it, and i got to tell you, you, you bring it to him. He is going to begin to work in your life and bring a new attitude, an attitude of peace. An attitude of joy, an attitude of the Spirit that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. So we got to get rid of the rage. Rage is part of the old self. It's time to take it off. Nah, I'm not going to rage anymore. Every form, look at the last part of verse 31. We got to get rid of every form of malice. The idea of malice here is that of naughtiness, wickedness, and malignity. It is the attitude that seeks harm for other people in ways that may be small or ways that may be big. You just got to stick it to them. 
one way or another, got to just sort of get it in there. And maybe it's just a small, small way, like what we talked about, about the cold shoulder. I'm just going to show them. It's malice. It's bitterness that comes out in this. The Bible says get rid of every form of malice. God wants nothing of the old life in us, folks. He wants our minds to be in control by the Holy Spirit, to let the Holy Spirit control every part of your life, every part of your being, in your mind, in your heart, and how it comes out in your actions. The Bible says, get rid of it. This is putting off the old self. It is taking off the old and putting on something new. Brothers and sisters, it's not something new that you and I can create. Man can't create this newness of life that can only be found in Jesus. It is He who is putting together this brand new coat for you to put on. This, this something new. This new attitude. It doesn't come by some kind of mental exercise. It comes when we say, Lord, I'm going to yield to you and to you alone today. I desire to have my mind under the control of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you today, but I believe that the mind being the greatest battleground is the thing that we have to fight more and more. How are we going to do it? The only way that we can do it is to say, Lord, I'm going to subject myself to you. I'm going to give my all to you. Not because the pastor says I should, but because the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and says, yield yourself to me. Give yourself to me. You know, a lot of times we think, well, I, I pray for this and I pray for this and I pray for this. And it just doesn't seem as though the Holy Spirit is helping me with it. See, your very statement indicates that you are not trusting in the Holy Spirit. It just indicates you're looking for a way out. It's looking like you're about ready to give up. The point is, you keep on praying. You keep on believing. The Bible says, Jesus said it to his disciples, ask and it will be given to you. Keep knocking and it will be opened unto you. We've got to ask. And that asking is, is actually something that is done on a consistent and regular basis. If you are fighting against an attitude in your mind that is not right before the Lord, then do not stop fighting. You come to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I need you in my life. I need you to help me today. I need your strength. As we approach communion this morning. We have to, as Paul says in his epistle to the Corinthians, he tells them to examine themselves. Not examine themselves to see if they're perfect, because there isn't anybody who is. He doesn't tell them to say, you know, to examine their hearts to make sure that they have done absolutely nothing wrong for the last year. But he exam asks them and tells them to examine themselves so that when they approach the body and the blood of the Lord and the table that is prepared, the, the Lord's Supper, it is to say, Lord, I want my relationship with you to be right. If I have done anything, 
that speaks of the old self, the old attitude, the anger, the bitterness, the rage, the malice, all of that, then, Lord, I seek your forgiveness today. You see, we didn't get to it today. We'll get to it again, not next week, but the week after. The last part of the passage that we read talks about the forgiveness of the Lord. That when we come to Him, we can recognize that He will forgive us of our sins. The Bible says that He is faithful and He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't ever have to worry that we're going to come to a very temperamental kind of God. But instead, He is consistent. He is faithful. I want the musicians to come right now. And as they come, begin to play that chorus, He was nailed to the cross for me. We're going to take time right now, and we're going to examine our own hearts. And this is a moment where you might be able to look into your heart and say, oh, I see something. If the Holy Spirit is revealing something in your life that shouldn't be there, if He is revealing something of the old self that just cropped up yesterday or two or three days ago and you just kind of let it sit. You didn't do anything about it. Now would be the time to just say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I need your forgiveness today. I need your the relationship with you to be right before you. I want my relationship with you and with others to be right. Lord, help me to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Let's just examine our hearts right now.